All right, Anastasia, welcome to Lash Boss Radio. Hi. Thank you for having me here. Of course. I'm so excited. We just met for the first time like two weeks ago, mm-hmm. even though we've been in the same city for years. Um, and I'm so glad to have met you and I'm glad to have you on the show. So Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. So tell us how you got your start in the industry and kind of what you're doing currently. So I started doing lashes in 2016. Um, I've had a lot of my friends joining the beauty industry and everybody just started taking classes. And so there was an eyelash extension class that was in my city. So I decided to take it. I didn't like it. I, on the day of the model, I just looked at the trainer and I said, you really have me messed up if you think I'm going to be doing this. (laughs) And so I walked out. Um, And after that, I just kind of felt like I don't want to give up like this. And so I started taking models and taking models and taking models. And then I started taking clients, making money off of it. And ever since then, this has been my career. Actually, this has been my only career. So are you, do you work by yourself or do you have a team? So I have a studio in Austin and I do have um, one girl on my team. And starting February, I'm going to have another one join my team as well. So is your overall goal, is it to be a salon owner or are you doing like a booth rent type of situation? Uh, It's a salon owner. What made you choose that instead of like just staying working by yourself or even just being a landlord and doing like a booth renting type of situation? Um, So I have been a solo lash artist for the majority of time. And I wanted to bring on girls onto my team that I'm going to be able to give them a lot of value, right? Every single girl on my team has um, literally their Instagram looks like mine. I am pretty much showing them step by step everything, how I'm doing lashes, how I talk with my customers, how I build customer base, everything versus being just a booth rental, I feel like you just kind of give them space, but no value, right. if that makes sense. What challenges, if any, have you faced with finding the right match for someone to come work with you? Oof. Um, I am very, very picky when it comes to doing extensions. So in my salon, the main goal is to have the client's lashes last. And so for me, that's why it took me so long for over the years to be able to find the right girl that actually understands what I'm trying to say, actually understands what we're trying to do here, right? Um, Because I feel like a lot of people, and I understand it takes a lot of time um, to be able to be good at lashing, right? Um, So I definitely have took my time in order to find a good girl. But now I did. And um, she's been doing lashes for quite a bit some time as well. Mm, But there are certain things that we always add into her training in order for her to become better. I think um, there's something to be said about because you have been lashing by yourself and you have a full clientele. Mm -hmm. If somebody came in and they didn't have the experience already, that would kind of really set you back. Because that's like your reputation. In general, yes. In general, yes. So I feel like it's if you are trying to have 
or hire a girl that is brand new, you obviously need to make sure that the expectations that the clients are going to have with her are going to be way much more lower, right? Um, She's not going to be as quick as you. She's not going to be, her retention may not be the same. Her lash styles are not going to look the same. And it all takes time. Like even for my girl, whenever she firstly started, we definitely made her a discount price for a month in order for her to gain that clientele. But whenever the clients saw the quality that she has, everybody's like, I'm willing to pay whatever it is in order to have my lashes done. Um, So if I would have to find someone that is completely brand new, that is always on time, I see that their attitude is very nice. They are just willing to work. That's what I think it is is the willingness to work and willingness to practice and learn, that's what really sets a lot of people back. Because people just come in into the lash industry, oh, this is quick money. Uh, no, it's not. It's not quick money. It's not easy money. But if you put an effort, you're going to be eating really good down the hall, you mm-hmm. know, going down the years. Um, so that's that's mainly what it is. I just feel like I've never crossed a path with someone that is willing to do the job, you know, be on time. I've had girls that they would do a good job and they would come in for their lash appointments 15 minutes late. Mm-hmm. You can't be 15 minutes late. You need to be 15 minutes before your lash appointment starts. So, yeah, I just had certain situations like this. Yeah, it, it's worth it's definitely worth waiting for somebody that's going to be the right fit and For sure. Um also there's this transition period where somebody that is starting to hire a team when they're still lashing, it's that transition time of like let's get you to where I am as quick as possible so that I can take a little bit more time to start building the team and training everyone else too. And then right. when that happens, it's it's magic because, you know, you're available to do everything that the team needs you for. Right. And I also feel like now, you know, with me having a full clientele and her building her clientele, if I have to go somewhere, I can 100% be sure that if I give this girl, my clients, she will do her absolute best to take care of them. Like they will have absolutely no complaints because I am the type of a lash artist. I don't like any kind of complaints. I did not hear a complaint in years. Mm -hmm. So this is why lashing has been such a blessing for me because I go, I do lashes. I make really good money. I go home. I don't hear, oh, hey, my lashes fell off. Or something's wrong, you know, because I have a certain standard and therefore I would like for my girl to have a certain standard in order for the customers to have the best experience possible. So I recently actually did an episode about this. Um, You know, are you on Lash Forums? Do you read? Sometimes, yeah. So you've seen like screenshots of uh, artists that post a conversation with their client and it's like, hey, my lashes fell out or can I have a refund for this or that? Um, can you talk about those situations and what an artist should do if they find themselves constantly with these clients that are problem clients? So 
let's start with the question, is it a lash artist problem or this is a client problem? Because these are two different things, right? If I just got a text message um, this past Monday from one of my clients and her fill was on Tuesday and she's like, girl, I just, you know, I sat on my therapy session and I pulled, look what I did. And she sends me a picture and, you know, one third of her eye is completely missing. Like she just sat there and pulled them out, pulled them out. Now, of course, that's not a complaint when it comes to me, right? She's just giving me a heads up. Hey, this is what I did. This is what you would have to work with. That's it, right? So the main thing I would recommend to a lot of lash artists is to make sure that your skill level is very high, right? If your skill level is very high and you're 100,000 million percent, you're sure that your work is great, you can message your client and be like, let's go over the things that you have possibly done. And normally that's going to follow with the answer, oh, I haven't done nothing. Well, what does nothing include? (laughs) You know, because if you're sitting there and you are constantly pulling out your lashes or bugging them or you are not washing them or not taking care of them, um, yeah, they're not going to last. That's, that's, it's funny. The episode was actually titled, like, I don't even think it's aired yet, but whose fault is it, the artist or the client, and mm-hmm. just all the different scenarios. Because it, it it does change, but I think overall, if your skill level's up and you have boundaries and you're professional almost all the time, it's very easy to navigate those situations, and then they just become less and less over time, over your last right. career. I definitely, you know, still till this day, I would have sometimes clients that are going to come in, but my biggest thing and what I want to say on this is that let's say you're a lash artist and you have 100 clients per month right? 10 out of those clients have very bad retention. Now the 90 have outstanding retention. That means that those 10 clients are 100% at fault. But if it goes vice versa and only 10 have good retention and then 90 don't have good retention, then it's 100% lash artist's fault. Agree. Um, let's talk about retention All right. because that's something you really love to speak about. Um, so in the world of like a ton of retention classes starting to come out and stuff, um, do you think, do you think that it's being overcomplicated? Do you think that, um, there's still things that artists aren't getting right, but maybe they're overcomplicating it themselves? 100% overcomplicating. 100%. In what way? I just, (laughs) I just recently did this live, right? On retention. And the amount of questions that I have received from lash artists that I personally don't to say agree with or not agree with, but I've had this one question. Uh, well, how does your lash retention is going to be if um, the client has a, ba- a bad pH balance of natural lashes? Well, how do you know the pH balance of their natural lashes? So you have a client come in and sit down and she tells you, I want to get eyelash extensions done. And you're going to ask her, uh, what is the pH balance of your natural lashes? The client's going to look at you like you're crazy. She doesn't know. You don't know. What is she going to do? Go to the doctor and check her pH balance? Like what does go into this whole pH balance? Now, porosity, 
it's a different thing, right? Porosity, mm-hmm. you can kind of see what you have to work with after their first full set, right? Um, but pH balance, you know, if you if your client has tinted eyelashes, that's a completely different pH balance versus if it would have just been her natural lashes. If you wash her lashes, her lashes become a completely different pH balance because the water has a different pH balance. So do you like sit there, calculate? You don't calculate those type of things. So let's say a client does come back and you can see, okay, this isn't what I normally see when somebody comes back. Mm -hmm. You go through aftercare and you kind of get the sense that it sounds like this person really did do something wrong. Mm-hmm. No, what, like what if they, what if it seemed like they did do something right? Like mm-hmm. they cleanse their lashes. They did not pick at them. They don't sleep on their face, um, et cetera. In that case, what are the things you would then try as their lash artists to increase their retention without getting into like, obviously we're not going to be checking their pH and everything, but is there any products that you would try? Is there any way that you would use your adhesive differently, how would you go about no. You would do everything the exact same. Yes, because I have good retention, so I don't have those type of problems, right? Uh, I follow a specific guide when it comes to my lashing. All I do is wash their lashes. Yeah. That's it. That's right. It. So I don't... A lot of the things... Even when it comes to application, and I see this so many times on different Instagrams, like a girl is going to apply an extension on and she will, one of the main things that I've noticed is she's going to dip her fan or her extensions into the glue. And only after that, she starts looking for the natural lash. And now she's applying. Well, will it stick a little bit? Yes, but will it last? It's not going to last. One of the things that I always tell my girls or students or lash artists that are reaching out to me, you have to be extremely precise, mm-hmm. right? You go, you separate the lash, then you go dip into the glue, you apply it on, and you hold it. Another thing, they will put an extension on, and then after that, they wiggle the extension around, or they slide to top or bottom, and... You know, the extension didn't stick on. So they're just like, oh, let me try one more time. Of course, it's not going to last, you know. But you're saying if you're because I'm thinking a situation where the artist is a a great artist, has great retention 90 percent of the time and that 10 percent they do see something. You're alluding to it probably still in that case, even if they're saying that it wasn't them, you're still saying, well, if you applied in this way, like let's say they do all of that correctly, that probably it still is the client's fault. It's nothing they should Most of the times I feel like you can tell. So if, let's say, for instance, my client comes back to me and she has bad retention, uh, most of the times the way I tell my clients about the aftercare, I feel like they will let me know right away. You know, but you will still get those people sometimes. Um, Obviously, if you see that their lashes are dirty, that means they didn't right. have good aftercare. Um, if you see that there's going to be a spot that's going to be like three, four, five millimeters, sometimes bald, 
they were picking at them. Yep. You know, there's leftover just, adhesive. Yes, there's so much, so much things Clues. when it comes to that. And um, also, just how you mentioned just now, leftover adhesive. If they sit there and just specifically pick out the extension, a residue of glue will be left on the natural lash 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. So I, I think whenever I first started doing lashes, which was like a decade ago, I did used to have these people that I'd, I'd question what the heck, like, this is not happening to anyone else. And you are, I trust you, but it seems like I I just would always think it's my fault. It's my fault. So I would try other things. Like I'll just try a little bit more adhesive or sometimes I even just tell them that I'm doing that. And then they'd come back and be like, that was it. It worked. You know, <laughs> um, I also tried, which is starting to become a trend now, um, using volume lashes as classic at, for those people that I felt like had, a bad retention and then they'd always come back and seeing say like you did it like mm-hmm. it, it works um but over time I started to change the way that I did my consultations which it sounds like you give them the same vibe which is kind of like if anything is ever wrong let me know because I can always kind of tell what's going on if, right. if they're being picked at or like if whatever you're kind of hinting to them that you'll be able to troubleshoot whatever it is so no problem. Come to me if you have an issue, but it doesn't necessarily mean like if you have an issue, I'm going to say that it's my fault and I'm going to fix it for you. It's more that you're going to be able to call them out on whatever that right. was. I even had a client one time. We just did her fill and I'm giving her the mirror. She's taking a look at them. She grabs the mascara wand and she goes so deep into her extensions and just kind of like wiggles them around. She's like, oh my God, these are so beautiful like, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing right now? And she's like, oh, I'm just brushing them. And I'm like, so you want to tell me that you've been brushing your extensions like this this whole time? Mm. Even just showing them how to properly brush their extensions makes a huge difference. Because that person leaves, you don't know what they're doing. You know, they can be telling you all of these things. And a lot of them, you know, if they don't take care of their extensions, they don't want to come back to you in three weeks for a full set. They don't want to pay that price Mm -hmm. so ultimately what they're doing is kind of trying to put that fault on you and now you start to guilt trip yourself and you're like oh my god I I suck what am I doing what (laughs) am I doing wrong and you know just those small things like even telling your client hey come to the bathroom with me show me how you wash your lashes yes show me what you're doing with your extensions um those things definitely help if you communicate with a client. Yes. I realized this was also, I think I had been lashing maybe five years at the time. And I had a client that called us after the full set and they said, what is this liquid that you guys gave me? And it was the cleanser. And I, I was the one that did her full set and I was telling her at the end how to wash the lashes. But Then I realized at that time, at the very end, when they're already opening their eyes and like they've seen their lashes, they're ready to go, they're not even listening anymore. So you've got to say those things during the cleansing process or during when their lashes are or when their eyes are closed, right? One more thing that just popped in my head and I'm so thankful it did. Um, It is lash serums. Mm. Lash serums. Now, Lash serums are well known to be a steroid product. So as soon as you start using it, all of your natural lashes are going to fall off. 
90% of the time, every single person that I have ever met, and I've used Elash Serum myself because the new growth is coming in so quickly, it's pushing out everything else that you have. And normally it takes, I would say, about a month and a half to really have good, stable um, lash retention, right? Everything on the same cycle. So a lot of these people, they get their extensions done. And that's funny because I actually just dealt with a client like that. She's been coming to me for months and all of a sudden her lashes all are falling out. And I'm like, what is going on here? So I did her fill again. They all fell out again. I'm like, what are you doing? And she she just said that, you know, nothing has changed. Comes to find out she started using Rodan and Fields Lash Boost. Oh, you know what? That is not good for extensions. Rodan and Fields is like the one that I know of that is not compatible with extensions. It will literally make all of the extensions fall off. Like I swear some, it, they that company even says don't use this with extensions. I, I'm I've not sure never, the reason. I've never looked into this a lot, but so after that second fill, and I told her, if you are using it already, you have to make sure you are consistent, right? Yes. Every single day. So now that she's like, okay, well, my extensions are falling off because they think that they can use it for a couple of days and then just give it a couple of days of break, right. everything again falls off. So you are back at, you know, step one. So um, if you do have clients that their retention is bad or if they are using lash serums, they always have to make sure that they're doing that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, so let's say they're on a lash serum, they stop, then yeah, they'll they'll probably have this period where the next time they come in for their fill, you're going to see a ton of baby hairs. Yeah. The way that lash serum is working is it's actually, it extends like the first stage of growth, right? The mm-hmm. antigen phase. So it's taking it from that phase being like two weeks long to twice as long, like four weeks. And so every time they come in for their fills in the beginning, like that first month and a half or so, you're like chasing all these grown outs and like right. having to do so much work. So I think if you don't tell clients that, they may feel like their lashes aren't as full after each fill because there's just so much more work you have to do when they get right. on a serum. But it's good work. It's it's like you want you want this to happen because a lot of clients who desire like the longer lengths and stuff, it's going to be good. But one, if you're not consistent with it, or two, if you're not expecting all of the growth to happen and don't account for that in the time, then um, it's a little weird. It's a little bit weird of a phase. But yeah, the second they stop it, it it you do have a, a weird phase. Yeah, after so that. I did have a client back in Florida, and um, she wasn't my client, but she came in and she just wanted to have a removal. She was freaking out. She's like, I started using these extensions and they completely ruined my natural lashes. And so she came in and she had a whole bunch of baby hair. And so I asked her, what did you do? And she did mention a lash serum that she recently just started using. I'm like, it's okay. You know, you can now that your natural lashes have fallen out because the new growth is coming in very quickly. We are just going to reapply the extensions Make sure that you are religiously using it every single day and you are going to be good. Um, And she did, but she was extremely freaked out at the beginning. Mm -hmm. How do you handle baby hairs in a set? Um, Do you, are you somebody that likes to lash them with short extensions? Do you leave them alone? What is your It all depends. Uh, I feel like it really depends even on a person because, you know, for somebody... 
uh, baby hair for somebody that has extremely long, nice, thick, natural lashes, a baby hair is going to be something that you can lash. But there are definitely certain people, and it's just genetically. You know, they have very thin, very sparse, now extremely thin, right? We're not talking on our average. And I try not to touch them. Or even if I do, if I see that there's an you know, a gap that's going to be noticeable. I try to put just a thinner um, diameter of extension just to cover up that gap. But um, now those would be the type of people that you would want to recommend the lash serum for, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But yeah, it just, it honestly, it all depends. It all depends. So my own lashes, um, I'm, I'm actually, what the heck? Sorry, cut that. Sorry. For my lashes, I have a pretty great lash line, like, um, but I have very sensitive follicles. Like I will feel if there is a sticky in there, which there should never be, but if I I always feel like I can feel something and sometimes I'm feeling a grown out lash. And at, at my salon, we we put um we kind of it we base it off of um each client, but let's say one of my baby hairs was lashed with even like a seven millimeter. I feel that when it grows out. And so something that I don't think is often recommended is just if you have people that are pickers, go through and like make sure they don't leave with anything even slightly grown out. Be careful with their baby lashes. Maybe consider not to, um, if you're listening to this, lash those and just see how they do that next time. Because I'm somebody that I hate my baby lashes being lashed, but I can get away with it because I have a good amount of other lashes. But then some people can't, right? Like some people, it's like you almost want to lash every single one they have because they're more on the sparse side. But it just depends. And, you know, with mega volume, they say they only get them to 80% coverage because they don't lash the baby hairs. They just lash the medium and adult hairs. And the the whoa. Sorry. Um, The philosophy with that is they don't have to spend a lot of time during the fill getting the grown out lashes. They just have to, um, you know, lash what's available. Right. Um, And that saves them time and gives them more time for other things. Well, I mean, if you think about it, mega volume versus classic, obviously it's going to look way much more fuller. So this is why you don't necessarily have to lash every single lash. But when it comes to classic, and again, you're saying seven millimeter, it also depends on the diameter of a seven millimeter. You know, if somebody is going to be putting a 0.15 seven millimeter on your baby lash, that's a different story. You know, if... if I feel it even if it's like a 2D fan, like I feel it all the time. I have really sensitive... I mean, it could be. I have <laughs> I have extremely sensitive um, lash line when it comes to application. Like if you mm. put too close to the skin, I can over I can feel the glue curing. On Question my lash. about that too. So, how do you feel about like how close should a lash be applied to the skin? Because some do recommend to get it even on the skin during application and that it'll grow out in a couple of days. What do you think about that? No, absolutely not. Uh, I always recommend to put it further than 0.5 millimeters away from the skin. And I will tell you why. 
So when you start lashing, again, you completely wash your um, client's natural lashes, right? You wash the eyelids, everything. You begin the process. Um, one thing that can be occurred is going to be some kind of irritation because, again, not every single person is the same. You know, there can be people to where even by an accident, you pull out their natural lash during their appointment. They're not going to notice it. And some people, you you just touch their skin and all of a sudden they're freaking out. <laughs> you know, so it's the same concept. I remember two months ago, I applied on one of my clients. I was I was rushing. I didn't pay attention. And I put this one specific lash extremely close to her skin. And I think a little bit of glue migrated. Mm. The next morning, the next morning, she's messaging me. She's like, Hey, I think I got um, an irritation. You might want to check your tweezers. And in my head, I started thinking about that one lash that I applied extremely close to the skin. Mm -hmm. Also, another thing is that um, when you are creating the bond between extension and a natural lash, if you want it to last, you have to make sure that they are like, this to one another if it's touching the skin that already means that there's a gap between them so there goes another thing why people are gonna go two or three weeks is going to grow out a little bit and they're going to be much more easier to catch on your brush it's going to be uncomfortable it's going to be poking on their skin you know they're going to be pulling it out so I personally don't recommend it I agree with that not 100% sure who does but Another question about application. Um, how do you feel, let's say you're doing a classic set, how far up the natural lash do you think is acceptable for adhesive to be? Do you think that it should be like halfway, less than halfway, more than halfway? You need to have a good bond for a millimeter, millimeter and a half for sure, 100%. And the only reason why I say this is because if your natural lashes are properly prepped, it's going to stay on very, very well. Um, I don't think that you should be, you know, covering the whole natural lash in the adhesive, but the bond should 100% be there. Well, I mean, most lashes are longer than a millimeter. So that millimeter... But they don't always fall into the same direction as your extension goes. Right. Right. But I'm saying usually lashes are much longer than that. And so a millimeter might just be the very, very base of the natural lash. And I think that that's acceptable too. I think if you are washing them and you're doing it before the service and what, when they're at home, that lasts a while. Like yeah, it should last a whole time. A millimeter and a half, 100% will last a while. Yeah. Why would it not? Even two millimeters... Maybe two and a half is okay too, but I disagree with it being on the whole natural lash as well. I think, I think two things happen. I think one, it doesn't look as soft. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel as soft, but also to me, that feels like it would almost like drag the extension down towards where the natural lash wants to be versus like letting the extension live up here where well, it's If you really think about it, when you are even doing the classic application... You need to follow 
where your extension is going to be going, right? Because you are trying to create a certain set on them. Now, if you have a customer that all of her natural lashes are going inwards, what are you going to do? Right. Place the extensions inwards. So there's only going to be that millimeter or two millimeter or how you say two and a half millimeter space. There's, I don't, I've never personally dealt with something to where I have put a whole extension into the glue and then just like put it on the natural lash. I've never had anything like this happen to me before. It's kind of, it's a very outdated technique that um, the first extension brands had back whenever lashes first came about. And they used to teach like you want to grab a lot of adhesive to the point where there's beads on the extension and then you want to paint the natural lash. And adhesive was much thicker back back then too. So Mm -hmm. almost if you didn't do that, it was like just this blob and it wouldn't go anywhere. So you'd have to like spread it out. Well, it it was thicker because it was a slow drying adhesive. Yes. You know? And then you'd get so many stickies and then it just lashes have elevated so much we have faster drying adhesive and our lashes look and feel softer but it's almost like we're going backwards to some people are going backwards to this older technique that I don't think serves our clients very well they're really stuck on there for sure but I also want to be able to take those off when they're grown out personally right Right. so in general if I do um if I do my sets, if we're talking classic full set, right? If I do and I have a client come back for a fill, I can just easily grab the natural lash from the bottom and just pop the old extension on. Mm-hmm. As simple as that. Um, will it stay on for them the whole time? Yes, of course. Because normally speaking, if you don't apply a lot of pressure on that extension, it's not going to come off mm-hmm. as easy. Um, when it comes to volume lashes, um, it is a little bit more difficult because you do use a little bit more adhesive because I dip one to a millimeter to millimeter and a half into the glue. And then I apply onto the natural lash. Um, so it can be a little bit more challenging when it comes to that. But then again, I don't do banana peel. I never banana peel the lashes. So even if it's a volume, Lash, I have a separate set of um, tweezers that are stainless steel, and I just kind of try to pop the bond a little bit and then take it off. From the bottom? From the bottom. I never do banana peel. For those listening who may not know the term, what is banana peel and why don't you do that? I don't do that because, again, if you have outstanding good retention as a lash artist, it will just separate the natural lash and it's going to split split it. Yes, yeah. That's the word. Yeah. You like, for sure. Like I used to see that and be like, oh God. All the time. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. There are definitely sometimes. And then what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. You know, you just kind of try to pick from the bottom, take off the extension and just leave that natural lash be. Mm-hmm. Just leave it be. Yeah, if you're having trouble with like taking it off from the bottom, if you even like crunch it with your tweezers a little bit, it mm-hmm. kind of loosens it up. Um, yeah, for sure. Okay, good good points here. Um, lots of, there's so many varying opinions, I feel like, with application and artistry and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of different opinions when it comes to everything, mm-hmm. right? Um, I feel like if it works for you, 
if it truly works for you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you my opinion, right? But if you constantly do the same thing over and over and over again, and then you still don't have good retention, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, if you have certain, and that this is what I feel like people struggle with these days, they have a problem, but they will not try to change something in order to have it fixed. Right Mm -hmm. now, I'm not trying to get anybody mad, but I personally don't prime. I think that I think that priming is 100 percent an unnecessary step. It actually makes things worse if you think about it. But um, when it comes to priming, certain people like it right or in their head, they think they like it. And normally those are going to be the type of people that are not even going to wash their clients natural lashes Mm -hmm. before the appointment but they will prime so i have a question there right Mm -hmm. and then they're gonna be oh well my extensions don't last well maybe i should use a bonder maybe i should use a sealer none of those things matter as long as you wash your clients lashes and you don't do any additional things how we just spoke before whenever they said that you kind of have to spread the glue onto the natural lash don't do that my my philosophy is that as soon as you applied the extension on, you have to make sure that you get it on the natural lash as quick as possible without any additional movements, yeah. without having your hands shake, something else happen, boyfriend's calling on the phone, so you're checking your phone. You have to be focused, right? The the bond between the extension and natural lash has has to be 100% perfect in order for them to last. Agree. This is also one of the things that um, I just recently had somebody ask about the um, clear glue. Why I personally don't use clear glue. I think I might have asked you that. At, uh, at it, was somebody, it was somebody else but that I asked also me about talked it. To, okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but um, th- the reason why I don't, I have nothing against it. I love, I love how it works. I know it works very well. But for me, sometimes I feel like since it's clear, I cannot see if there's actually an ideal bond between two things or not. With black glue, you can see 100%. Even if there's like a smallest, tiniest dot where there's just air and there's no bond, you can still see it. Therefore, you know, you can fix it. Mm -hmm. But with clear, I just feel like it's not as visible as much. But some people love it and... That's all that matters. I'm somebody that loves clear glue. I can never go back. Whenever I, like if I'm working with a student and they have like a black adhesive in their kit, for example, and they're using it, um, I always just feel like it's got a little bit of slip to it compared to the clear. I feel is more grippy. But for me, I feel like I do see, like I could see it almost turning from wet to matte. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I, I guess I'm like really staring at it. But Now you see this comes from a person me right that used clear glue maybe five times Mm. in six years you know so maybe I know for a fact it's way much more better in a lot of occasions like whenever it comes to somebody who is working with lower humidity clear glue doesn't clear doesn't care about humidity yeah you know so 100% is way much more easier to use it Personally, for me, maybe if I would use it right now a little bit more, it would have been a little bit better. But I've used it years and years ago, and I just 
simply never went back because I don't have a problem with black adhesive. But for somebody that does, I do, you know, I would definitely recommend to try to use the clear adhesive. Mm-hmm. Um, question about adhesive. So we always see the question floating around, what's the best adhesive? What should I use? Who has the best one? What do you say to that question? I say to that question that you can make any adhesive work for you. You just have to pick for yourself if you like a high viscosity adhesive, medium viscosity adhesive, or low viscosity adhesive. As simple as that. I use low viscosity adhesive because I am extremely quick. So for me, I usually get done with the classic full set within an hour and 20 minutes, hour and 30 minutes. So I need something that's going to dry out literally as I blink. Right. Keep up with you. Um, but if somebody's a little bit slower, then yes, they can use anything between medium to high. But, but if you just think about how generally adhesive works, you can make even even the fast drying glue dry out a little bit slower if you are just going to make your temperature lower in your studio. That's it. I can agree with that. I think also like when you can tell in the beginning that like if you're brushing through and lashes are popping off, okay, that's that's something that's a symptom. It's telling you, okay, this might be too fast for you or you're not picking up enough or you're taking too long to get to the lash. It could be one of those things. Or it's too hot. Right. Or, yeah. So you can change something about it if it's still not working, like maybe use something that's a little bit slower drying and... um as you get faster, as you get better at your skill, then you can change. Yeah. Um, good. Real good. Um, I love your take on everything. Thank I, you. <laughs> I feel like we, we, so we met at a Starbucks a couple weeks ago. We had a similar conversation to this um, at Starbucks and I was like, okay, you're my kind of girl. I like you. Um, so before we went on air, you mentioned that you were filming a class. Does it have to do with retention or is it something else? It is. So generally speaking, I'm trying to go more right now into, um, educational part. Um, I, the classes that I provide right now is a Russian volume class and classic class, um, but Overall, I feel like retention is such a big problem that I always make sure that every single class we focus specifically on that. So even if you are signing up for my group classes, um, I send you videos a week before the class starts to where we go over lash setup clientele, how to take pictures, how to do all of these different things that I don't think we should be talking about because these are obvious things, right? Um, I focus strictly on the application and retention. So for two days, you are doing the technique. We are talking, we are drilling the retention part, drilling, okay? I always tell my girls, Come in with all of these questions. I will answer every single one of your questions. I guarantee you after you leave, you're not going to have a problem. But I simply don't think that I should sit there with my students and talk about 
lash curls, whether I can simply just send them a video a week before and they can go over all of these things. So I'm going to ask you a few more questions, more about like you as an artist and your experience in this industry. So first one being, what is your worst client experience that you've had so far? (laughs) I've had this one lady one time. And I would say this is one and only horrible experience that I've had. Um, So she always came in for her fill and um, she would always talk about how much money she makes and how amazing she is. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, I mean, I don't care. I just, I'm just going to do your lashes. And uh, at that time she was paying me through PayPal. And so let's say the fill was $100. So she would always PayPal me like $102, $103. And so in my head, I was like, okay, maybe she's paying for the processing fee or something. I know that PayPal was taking a processing fee. Um, so I thought that maybe additionally she just, you know, gives me the extra money. And so one time she came in and so she PayPal'd me $100. And I don't think about it as if I just didn't think about about it at all. And so she walks out of the door and she comes back literally not even a minute later. And she's like, oh, my God, honey, I forgot to tip you. She takes out a dime out of her purse and puts it on my cabinet. And she's like, have a good day. (gasps) (laughs) What? Wait. That was so those two three dollar tip that she was PayPaling me additionally with the hundred dollars. That was the tip. And on her last appointment, she gave you a dime tip. A dime tip. So was she did what did she not like you? Or she seemed like she liked you? I don't know. We were talking about a lot of different things in general. So I just think that maybe she somewhere had a problem with me. Um, I have no idea. Honestly, you know, there's just going to be those type of people, right? Weird. Um, maybe she was just, you know how some people, they're like, oh, get a real job. You know, lashes yeah. is not a real job. Maybe something like that. But honestly, when that when that happened, I didn't even say anything because my jaw dropped in that moment. I'm like, I know she's lying. I know this lady is lying right now. But yeah, ever since then, I've never accepted uh, an appointment from her. Every Mm -hmm. single time. I didn't even give her an explanation. I was just canceling her appointment every single time she would book. Wow. So (laughs) did she ever like reach out to ask you like what, like why won't you service her? I don't remember. Um, I don't think so. I don't think so. How do you handle clients that um, don't respect your time, um, your policies and stuff. How quickly do you get them out of your clientele? Right away. Like right one away. one chance and that's it. Um, it all depends on what is it when it comes to respecting your policy. Like let's say, for instance, if my policy is you cannot go over 28 days for a fail, they're going to know that right away. Mm-hmm. So if they come back... And it's been more than 28 days that, I mean, I'm not going to be saying anything. I'm just going to charge you for a full set because this is the policy. Before you book my appointment, 
you there is a policy list, right? Mm-hmm. So in order for you to book them, you have you to it. read this, mm-hmm. right? Um, the fact that you didn't read it doesn't really put any kind of responsibilities on me. Um, but other than that, after other than the pricing, I don't know exactly what you're referring to. Uh, coming in late. Don't have that. To reschedule. Don't have that. Uh, if I have a client that comes in late and things happen all the time, I am on a time schedule, right? So I have an hour, let's say hour and 15 minutes for every single one of my clients. If you are coming in 20 to 30 minutes late and you are still willing to come in, then I will lash you for the time Remaining. that we have. Right. Um, unless you want to reschedule, pay me for today and for the next time, that's completely up to you. Um, uh, but most of the times people just come in and they let me do their lashes for however long it takes. But um, you know, my price is my price and the policy is the policy. Otherwise, right? They then they have no reason to fix their I've issue. had you see, uh a couple of years ago. Especially when I was starting off in Austin and I didn't know anybody, I would let it slide, right? I would just let it go. I would be like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. You know, we can reschedule you for a different time, even though I'm already on my way to work. But, you know, you have to do something. Um, I would just let it slide. And I am being extremely understanding when it comes to those type of things. Like if I have a really good customer of mine and she never had issues and something happened to her like within a year, right? Of course, I'm not going to charge her, you know, but if that thing happens the second, the third, the fourth time, you just explain to her, hey, I really, I really like you as a person. I appreciate you being my client and trusting me, but I also am running a business and I hate to do this, but I do need to charge you for my time. As long as you are not being in any kind of rude or disrespectful towards them, they will 100% understand. No person that works for a company is going to go into a meeting and if the meeting was canceled, they will allow their uh, CEO cut their salary right? because they didn't make it to the meeting. So you can explain it in this type of way, you know, with a much different tone, of course. But people, if you have a certain price point, you don't have crazy people come in. <laughs> Agreed. Um, that That is also how we handle things at Pink Lady Lash, too. And it's interesting because we have many artists. And so... We've just found like we can look at it situationally, but when it's like a repeat issue, we actually can flag their account to where we can see like, okay, this person has done this before. We know we've already waived it once and now we know we don't have to do that again. Yeah, I feel like it's every single system now has those steps. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which is great. Um, I think back in the day when I was looking for like a system for whatever I wanted to use, I found it like so hard. I wanted something that does everything that can do really great reporting and have stuff like that. And and sometimes there will be certain people that you will just remember, right? Like I've had a, had a situation one time, a girl came in to get her lashes done. And I, so I firstly moved to Austin and I was working from home for three months. And this girl came in and she got her lashes done. And she, um, she said, oh, I only have like half cash. And then um, let me go and get my 
phone from the car and I will come back and pay you. And I just didn't think twice about it. And, um, yeah, I never seen her since. And then it was so funny because two and a half years later, she probably forgot. Or I don't know, maybe she, I don't know what she was thinking, but she messaged me. She's like, hey, can I please get in with the appointment with you? And I'm like, if you will pay me the $85 that you still owe me, then yes. Long story short, I never took her in. I was just being, you know, Mm -hmm. the girl knew exactly what she was doing. So those type of people, no, I definitely don't have any kind of, you know, professional boundaries because how do you leave? a place without paying. Yeah. You know, that's, that's stealing. So I don't, I don't do that. But uh, yeah, I definitely remembered her. So I never took her in. Um, Is there anything in the process of like bringing someone on? Mm-hmm. Is there anything that surprised you or that you've already decided like next time I'm going to do this differently? No, she's been sweet. She, Liza has been so good. So good. I just, I'm thanking the God that I finally found somebody like her because she is 20 minutes early before every single appointment. She makes sure that all of her tools are sanitized and sterilized. She's like, okay, so what does this client want? What does that client want? And all of her clients so far has have been very, very happy with her. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, there's an episode... <clears throat> there was an episode I did. We talked about the concept of how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And there are just some people that really care about their space, their surroundings, people they interact with, their things or belongings. And they'll give that same care to the clients in whichever business that they're in. Right. No, I feel like, um, you know, and I always try to teach her, even when it comes to taking pictures of the clients I always tell her no loose lashes on face on clothes yeah on the bed nothing you have to make sure you brush their eyebrows if needed like those are the type of things mm-hmm. that have to be done in order to create that clean look right nobody wants to come in into a salon and they see on your Instagram that you are posting oh this is Um, And I'm talking on the feed, right? I'm not talking on the story that you have all of these patches and everything's taped and just taped crisscross on the forehead and, you know, skin is oily (laughs) and you post this. I don't want to come to you. I want to come somewhere where it's nice, neat, clean, sterilized. Yes. That's it. The equivalent to that would look like a hairstylist leaving the drape on and you could see the little, like trimmings from your trim and you can see it on the ground yeah as far as training goes what classes do you really think shaped you as an artist and that you would recommend to somebody brand new to the industry um I took a lot of different classes I took a lot of different classes in the you know time span of six years and what I loved about taking classes is that I got an opinion from this person and from this person and from this person. And then I created something of my own or I just follow their instructions. What I see these days and not, you know, to say anything, but when it comes to somebody who is just doing lashes or let's say 
doing classics, but they don't know how to do volume and they buy online classes. That's crazy to me. Mm -hmm. That is 100% crazy to me because you don't get that type of conversation. You don't get that type of a knowledge as you would have got from a one-on-one or like a small, small group training. There is no way. I've took at least three online classes before. I didn't understand anything. I didn't understand nothing. Can I be honest with you with online classes? Sometimes I don't fully watch it. Like I watch the beginning of it and then I am like, I'll watch this later. And then I don't. And then if, especially if it has an expiration date, you have to be careful to like really set aside the time to take that in because I don't think everybody learns that way. Right. And another thing too, is that, you know, if I sit in front of you you came in as a student on my class and I sit in front of you and I tell you that I don't care. You need to do three models next week. You will feel some sort of responsibility in front of me. For sure. You know, you're going to be feeling, what is the word for it? Accountable. Accountable. And if you're not going to do that, somewhere deeply inside, you will feel embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, like I didn't do this. You know? Those type of whenever you feel accountability in front of a person makes you want to do things, right? The more things you're starting to do, the more questions occur. Now you can take those questions and shoot me a text message and be like, hey, Anastasia, I didn't quite dig this part. Can you please explain me one more time versus the experience that I've had is um, this one online class showed all of these different volume techniques. And they're just showing it. They're not explaining me, oh, hey, you know that you actually need to hold the tweezer in this position. They're just doing it and they're like, ah, this is so easy. Did you understand? Okay, good. Yeah. I didn't understand a damn thing. You know, versus you are coming to somebody... And you are making a mistake and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to be like, hey, no, 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 no. Let's do this one more time. Let me sit down. I'm going to show it to you one more time. If you want to film it, you know, I can like watch over you. I think the classes that do do well online are ones that are like more information heavy, like something about retention where you don't need a client to practice that. Right. Yeah. And also, if you are already an experienced artist, right, and you just want to take something additionally, like let's say I'm going to be taking this class. Supposedly, this woman says that she can lash, uh, she can lash a full volume set in 50 minutes. I'm taking that class. Let's see. I want, I want to see. I want to see what's going on. But I've been doing lashes for so long that if she tells me something different. Mind blown. I'm going to be mind blown. But this is why you need to be taking classes all the time. If you sit there, that's the biggest thing that I have learned when it comes to my career. If you sit there and you think you know it all, you failed. For sure. I think I've taken at least one class since I joined the industry. And some years that I took like three or so and like went to as many conferences as I can, like exponential growth yeah. in artistry and business. So that's what 
you know, even even if you already think that, hey, I'm a great um, lash artist, take a business class. Yeah. Take a photography class. Take something, you know. But if your work looks the same, like I, I know so many lash artists and they learn this one thing and they just don't keep on growing because they're in their own comfort zone. Well, man, let me tell you. Your back will really hurt if you're going to be lashing for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. I I remember I used to teach um, and, and travel a little bit. I traveled to San Antonio one time, which is just an hour outside of here. Mm-hmm. You, you know this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I was reaching out to some San Antonio artists like to let them know that I was coming. And one said, I already know how to do volume. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like I just looked at her differently a little bit because I just, there are so many out there that don't think that you need to keep going. Mm -hmm. And um, I even think sometimes conferences are slept on a little bit because there's so many connections you make during those times. And you do learn a lot of business. You do it just, I don't know. I even just come back more inspired and ready to work and like, right. Sometimes, um, you know, you go on break or something and I'm just like sitting there jotting down all these ideas. And I think just immersing yourself in your mind into these scenarios like a class or whatever um, is just beneficial. And, you know, you get you get different opinions from different people. And, you know, sometimes I am a true believer, like outside of lashing, I have a whole other business. You know, I'm thinking about another thing and um, you meet these people and they give you other ideas on, hey, I can do something else, Mm -hmm. you know, or I can do this on the side. This is pretty cool because I feel like so many people, they're like, oh, well, I just feel so burned out. And yes, you feel burned out. If you are taking, you know, eight people six days a week, of course, you're going to feel burned out. But if you get yourself some kind of other hobbies, some kind of other things that you can also do on the side and they can bring you money, oh my God, you will feel so good about it. You will feel so good about it. But it's those, whenever you feel so stuck up and so, you know, confident, in yourself, this is where it really will break you. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay, so we covered so much retention, artistry, business. Um, and so I know some people are going to fall in love with you and want to take a class with you or reach out and continue the conversation. So can you just share how they can reach you? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the easiest way is going to be through Instagram. It's um, iCharm Artistry. I'm quite sure you're going to leave the link. Yes. Yes. So that's going to be the easiest way. And I'm on Instagram. I check it. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank for you coming. so much for having me. I really like this. Yeah, you were amazing. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, but thank you so much. Okay, so we had to come back because we ended the episode and then we started talking about more things. And I just was like, can we go back? Uh, so we... We're just discussing um, changes in like artistry and like what I guess we're seeing lately. Um, Can you share your take on um, the different types of sets and like what you think is valuable? So 
generally speaking, um, what I notice right now versus back in the day, like back in the day, work of, for instance, lash makers, right? It was top notch. Everybody wanted to be like lash makers. People still till this day preach on the technique, on the look, on how, you know, Russian volume is a blade looking set. Nothing sticking out, like everything looks perfect. And that was artistry. That was artistry at that time. Now you have people that are going for a way much more easier route when it comes to extreme mega volume lashes, right? Which honestly doesn't take that much time or that much skill to learn or perfect, right? It's pretty simple. You take up on a whole bunch of lashes. You don't even count it. You dip it real quick in the glue because there's so much glue. You kind of like slide it through, boom, it opened up. So that's what we call, right, American volume, right? Because if I see somebody post American volume and be like, oh, Russian volume, no, 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 no. No, I will have a problem right there because that is not Russian volume, you know? Um, And I think that in a lot of the times, girls that were doing a really good job and really mastering the skill of doing proper extensions when it comes to symmetry, short base, all of these things, they feel a lot of pressure right now because they're like, oh, well, this is this new trend and I feel like I have to do this. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything because you don't have to be scaling down now, not trying to offend nobody, but it's scaling down. (laughs) You don't have to do that, right? Every single trend always comes back. I know for myself, I would never put a 25D 13, 14, even 12, you know, I don't want to walk out out of my lash artist looking like I am going to a party. Right. You know, um, and there are so many clients that still value the understated, just minimal, timeless, classic look of Russian volume, a 100%, nice, 100%, nice natural but, set. But there is a difference when it comes to, you know, a client that has to look natural or she wants to look more natural because she has a family, uh, kids, she has an amazing job, you mm-hmm. know, she travels, presents, whatever, right? She wants to have a specific look. And I mean... If this is how we're talking about trends, you don't ever see Kardashian look do those type of lashes. How do you see Kardashians all the time? It's either way a lash lift or a classic set. Mm-hmm. If we're talking trends here, right? But I am a true believer that every single thing, everything always comes back. And the natural lashes, they are still extremely popular. Yes, maybe the whole extreme mega volume took over for sometime but there are always going to be people who are going to value scale and who are going to value the fact that 
in 10 years um, after doing extensions, they will still have their natural lashes attached onto their eyelid. Mm-hmm. And do you recommend for client, or sorry, do you recommend for artists to learn the new stuff? Like, sh- let's say they they've been a Russian volume artist all this time. Do they learn mega volume right now, or do they stick with doing Russian volume and just wait for that to go away? Is the same thing, you know, as of uh, lash artists, not lash artists, a hairstylist that's also doing lashes and permanent makeup and, and nails and waxing. Stick to what you know, right? Perfect one thing. If you genuinely like how the American volume lashes look like, yes, go and take a class. But normally people who are really well trained in doing Russian volume are not going to be doing those type of things. I don't feel like lash artists should have the pressure of, oh, this is trendy right now. And now I kind of feel like my work is not trendy. So let me go and get trained with something else and completely switch up. Because what is your niche? Right. Right? Like what is your signature look? Like my signature look, it's a blade looking Russian volume set. That's my signature. Look, my, you go on my Instagram. That's all you see. I do do classics, you know? So sometimes whenever people are like, oh, hey, you know, I just kind of feel like I want to do a classic or a lash lip. It's all in my description. If you want me to, I will send you pictures. Mm -hmm. I will do all of these things. Obviously I can switch up, but I like to do more natural, right? I hardly use 12 millimeter lashes on my clients lengthwise, hardly. If they come in and they say that, oh, hey, you know, I think this is what I want. I think people don't even know what exactly they want, you know? So it's just a matter of sticking to what you truly believe in, to what you truly like. And again, educating your clients, right? Because People don't know. People call, you know, microblading, microblading, microdermaplaning mm-hmm. because they have no idea. How are they going to know? And it's the same thing as me and you going into IT right now. And we have no clue. So we are there to help somebody out. Yes. And because like, let's say everyone did just jump on and start doing the same things. Then whereas the client that is really valuing this like nice, clean, minimalistic in a way, Mm -hmm. um, precise artistry, where are they going to find their person? Right. It's got to be the person that's like kind of staying in. Well, in general, this is this is what I say always is that people who go into some kind of industry because it's quick money will fail you will fail. So the person that's been doing lashes for, you know, five years, seven, eight, 10, 20, whatever it is, this is why those that actually understand lashing and the art behind it are still doing lashes and making shit ton of money from doing lashes. Mm -hmm. I, I will also say there are some very few people that do mega volume in mm-hmm. still like a understated way, like maybe not so fat of fans, not so like 
just it, it, it I I feel like it, it's mega volume but it looks different like it's cleaner I mean yes overall anything after you know 6d if we're talking Russian volume anything after 6d is going to be a mega volume it all right. depends on how clean you make it look obviously you're not going to be able to do a 20d in Russian volume set uh, because it requires thinner extensions and all of that you know I'm not going to be doing a class mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. Uh, but you can do those type of sets again like I said I personally wouldn't take a class for extreme mega mega volume only because I don't like the look and I don't like to put anything on somebody else what I would not prefer on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have girlfriends that they get those type of lashes. And honestly, in two weeks, three weeks, they don't look good. It does not look good. You've, I'm sure, worked on people that had a mega volume set done, like the really big Mm -hmm. mega volume set Mm -hmm. what did you feel like was the difference of what was coming back like their new growth versus what you see on your work for example well in general those type of people and like i said you can still do a pretty good thick um set of volume even with that technique you can still do that what this is what i've noticed when it comes to my clients they like it because it's way much more comfortable um you are able to see the stickies way Mm -hmm. much better. Um, It doesn't crisscross different directions. And um, I don't care what anybody else says, but if a proper Russian volume technique, if it's applied properly, it will last you 100% more longer than any American volume technique. Any American volume technique. Do you feel like the natural lashes come back differently though? Like, do you feel like you've seen a difference and you work on someone oh, that yes, a new client sure. that comes in with like, for sure. Whenever you have so many, um, and, 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 and here's the thing, here's the thing here is that people that get trained only in one specific thing. And I'm not talking like, let's say I'm brand new and I'm going to get trained in an American volume. I cannot apply this on. of population, 50% of women, probably even more than that, because the lashes that you, for example, have, or I, for example, have, or somebody who has good genetics, you know, thicker hair, that is not realistic. Mm -hmm. If you have a hundred clients, guess what? You will struggle with 70 clients out of a hundred because they will not have those good of natural lashes that you always like see on TV or whatever else is being promoted on Instagram. So you have to be able to customize it. Do you think that it has more to do with people are just taking one mega volume training and maybe not fully understanding like these are the limitations we have with even this technique? Like just because these hairs are thinner doesn't mean you can put more than X amount on there. Do you think people are just taking that and going way too far with it but that it's not inherently the technique that's wrong it's more just like the artists are doing it way too much either lengthwise or both so you also think think that that technique is just it's a it's a technique that is not 
realistic for an average person. You cannot, if somebody has, let's say, for instance, two, two millimeter natural lash, and it's a little bit on the finer side. Even if you go shorter and you apply 0.03, 15, 20 fans, that is not realistic. They right. will not last. It, it, it If it will last, it will damage her natural lashes. And I have to hope, and I bet there are the trainers teaching this mega volume that are saying this. Like, mm-hmm. this isn't for everyone. This is an addition to your menu, not this is for every single client. Right. This is who you don't do it on. Um, but then it, you're always going to have those artists that, like, don't hear that part or don't listen to that part and just do that on everyone and then that client's getting something they should not be getting yeah but ultimately people don't think like me and you are thinking or you know people that value their lash career or take this seriously you know um but you could also argue that people learn volume and they do the same like they're they're doing russian volume incorrectly too right like i think they they (laughs) tend I know what you're talking about here. People follow trends. They can get they can get trained in the Russian volume. They can understand it, but they will still go back to what's easier, right? To something that's more trendy, to whatever it is. And they can't push on the whole fact that this is what I'm doing. You know, if you would like to come and see me, Instead of going and seeing somebody else, right? You have to educate the person. You have to do all these things. But then it all falls back onto what I said before is that a lot of people consider lashes as quick money. But this is why they lash for two, I don't know, four, I know this one girl, five years and then they go to IT. And they go to something else and they go to something else. If you truly succeeded, you will not go to anything else. Agreed. You can get something else in addition, but if you succeeded, why are you leaving? So therefore, they did not put the time and the effort to really understand the artistry behind all of this, to really understand the market, how to run it, how to create beautiful sets, how to make their clients happy, and this is why they're going somewhere else. And this is why we see people every single year, year after a year after a year, that are still the same people that were 10 years ago. 